welcome to Science Pods, where researchers share the stories behind their science. In this podcast, we hear from Richard Bomfrey about recent research on mosquito-inspired biotechnology. To get started, we were curious to hear Richard's story of becoming a researcher. Hi, I'm Richard Bomfrey. I'm a professor of comparative biomechanics at the Royal Veterinary College. I work on the biomechanics of animal flight, whether that's insects or birds. We do a lot of work with birds of prey and we do a lot of work with insects. Insects are of fundamental interest to me because (laughs) since I was a kid, I've looked in the garden and noticed that no two insect species look alike at all. You know, in the same way that Darwin's finches were inspiring to Darwin, it's nice to be able to look at a group of animals and try to pin down exactly what it is which has caused this great radiation into endless forms. When I was uh, young, I grew up in, in Grantham in Lincolnshire, which is famous for two people. Uh, it's the birthplace of Margaret Thatcher, and it's also the birthplace of Sir Isaac Newton. In fact, he went to my old school. From there, I read biological sciences at Exeter University. And for my third year research project, I got really fascinated in in flight. I was under the tutelage of Robin Wooten, who was a paleobiologist and made his name looking at fossil insects and particularly inspired in me an interest in the dragonflies. Now, the dragonflies almost unchanged, certainly in their wing structure, since the first insects took to the skies about 350 million years ago. When I got to the end of that project, unfortunately, he was retiring and I wanted to carry on doing this kind of thing. And so he recommended to me a PhD position in the zoology department at Oxford University. And that was with Professor Adrian Thomas. And he had been working on similar problems from birds' tails uh, to insect flight. And he had an opening for a PhD position. And I thought, well, that sounds fun. If I don't like it, I can always stop. And that's pretty much been my philosophy on my whole career. But I'm I'm still enjoying it, so I haven't stopped. (laughs) Research studies rarely start out with the questions readily in hand. From the science lab to the pub, the paths that researchers take leading up to a study are as unique as the researchers themselves. So we asked, how did this study come about? It was always a sensory project. So we needed to know the aerodynamics because we had a hunch based on a a suggestion in in a paper quite some time ago now that they might be using the flow field to sense surfaces even in the dark. And so that's what this latest paper is about. If you're flying in the dark at light levels below which the compound eye starts to function, how do you know that you're not going to crash into something? Or how do you land very, very gently on a surface? And we know that mosquitoes do land gently on surfaces, even in the dark. And there's good reason for that, isn't there? Because if you feel a mosquito 
land on you quite heavily, <laughs> then it does not end well for the mosquito. And similarly, the females are laying their eggs over water quite frequently, and they do a, a dipping behavior where they go close to the water surface, but they don't actually touch the water surface because that could spell the end. So we thought mosquitoes are surrounded in mechanosensors. So these are not vision sensors. These are hairs, potentially, or the antennae, which respond to the tiniest angular deflections you can imagine. And we thought, well, when a helicopter flies, that spinning disc generates a a downwash, which is why people hold on to their hats when they're getting into helicopters. We can all visualise that big jet coming down off the rotor blades. And we know also that helicopter pilots are very sensitive to the fact that when they're flying close to the ground, it's very difficult. It's one of the harder helicopter tasks, taking off and landing, because as it's throwing out this downward jet, it creates a higher pressure region. And it's a bit like a, a bubble or a mound and the helicopter wants to slide off it. So holding position in a helicopter very close to the ground actually requires quite a lot of concentration. So pilots and the scientific community around the sort of aerodynamics literature are very familiar with the concept of ground effect. But what was new was that we were looking for sensors on the mosquito that they could use to monitor that in these dark situations. We knew where to look because the antennae of mosquitoes are ridiculously sensitive. And that's because many insects have at at the base of their antennae organs called the Johnston's organ. And these are the receptive cells which detect deflections of the antenna shaft away from its uh, base position. So our question was very simple. Does that move in a way that is detectable to mosquitoes when they're flying. To understand the findings of any research, you have to begin with the methods applied by the researcher. With this in mind, we asked Richard how this study was conducted. We will hear Richard's response after this short message. This episode is brought to you by ThinkShare a free-to-use, cloud-based platform for storing and sharing your research outputs. Upload your tabular data, images, 3D scans, videos, and more to Figshare to get credit for all your research. Here again is Richard Bumfrey. We had a, a plan now. We said, we think that the mosquitoes can detect this surface by monitoring fluctuations in their own flow that they're generating themselves. But it would be nice to prove that concept on some sort of flying device. So we uh, got one of these palm-sized quadcopters. It's a toy, really, (laughs) but it's one of those toys which has been uh, specifically designed with developers in mind and academics in mind. You can get access to the source code and you can modify it or hack it to your to your heart's content. So what we did was put on some sensors which would monitor changes in the flow field and tell a circuit board which we'd added um, using a sort of some expansion capability that that these devices have to illuminate some lights if it thought it was near a surface. Now we didn't use mosquito antennae 
Although potentially you could, it's a bit of a Frankenstein cyborg solution, but uh, potentially that would work. We thought let's take a simpler option. There are many pressure sensors that you can purchase, which are very small and very lightweight and uh, very well suited to be carried on on these little flying uh, machines. So we got an array of those. We knitted them together with some tubes, which took the readings of the air pressure right in the places where we knew the flow would change most. And we sent that to the flight controller. And lo and behold, we could uh, detect obstacles in a bio-inspired fashion. I like this kind of bio-inspiration because what you'll find in in the world of biomechanics and biomimetics is that there's quite a lot of post hoc justification of things which suddenly you think well actually that looks a little bit like a and then insert animal here i'm not going to i'm not going to po- point to any that's for sure but this one was identifying a known capability with an unknown explanation an unknown mechanism in a flying animal and this one of particular economic importance and uh, animal and, and human health importance, and abstract the mechanism by which it's doing that task, and then not blindly mimic it. So we didn't create an artificial antenna, but we took the concept and we thought, well, actually, we can do this more quickly, more simply, and more robustly using some off-the-shelf components, which are so abundant, they're, they're almost free. And, and then we have a, a novel device uh, which can detect obstacles having collected the data we were curious to hear more about how the data were analyzed and what they showed the conservative estimate of how high we think that mosquitoes can detect the the floor is about 10 or 12 wing spans, so about 20 wing lengths. This is way in excess of what airline pilots will think of as when ground effect kicks in just before you're about to touch the runway. Ground effect is known to give better lift and drag characteristics on the aircraft, which is very helpful when you're coming into land. Uh, But it only really kicks in within one wingspan. And so this is way in excess of that. 10 times better than that um, through the jet. So we should be able to do ground following tasks at about that, depending on the type of sensor you're using, because it's a trade-off. Well, it's not a trade-off, it's sort of additive, really. You have your sensory cue, but you still need a sensor that can detect that information that is available to you. So I mentioned that the mosquitoes have extraordinarily sensitive antennae, which we think allows them to do this wonderful task this great capability they have for us it's going to depend on the sensors that we attach to any particular aircraft that we put on with the walls because the jet isn't going down it's slightly less sensitive again when you purchase one of these as as i'm sure you will (laughs) if when you try to fly it close to a wall what you'll notice is that it gets sucked into that wall and if you fly near the ceiling, it gets sucked into the ceiling as well. So there are, again, these trade-offs with the dynamics of the vehicle that you need to be close enough to detect it, but still have a sufficiently agile quadcopter, maybe a racing drone, to be able to get away from it if you realise you're about to crash. Mm-hmm. 
research results routinely have both expected and unexpected implications. This led us to wonder what Richard believes will be the influence of this work. An array of applications for this technology. If we're to believe that uh, Amazon will be delivering our parcels in the in the near future, um, which is, I suppose, particularly relevant in in times such as these where we're trying to minimise human to human contact as much as possible, then we have this utopian or perhaps dystopian view that the skies will be filled with parcel delivering quadcopters, and I don't want those to fly down <laughs> built up areas and and crash into a high level of a skyscraper and then tumble down onto pedestrians below so anything which can be used to reduce the likelihood of crashes that uh, de- definitely gets my vote but this isn't just about parcel delivery we know that drones are being used for so many different reasons at the moment um, be that search and rescue again in very difficult terrain and indeed unmapped terrain if it's after a landslide or if it's in a collapsed building. And these are places where certainly if you're indoors, it might be that GPS is not something you can use. And in fact, the maps that you had for there may not be relevant anymore anyway. And they might be dark. So you might be flying in situations where using camera-based collision avoidance devices, which is what you get on the best commercial quadcopters that you can buy, they have cameras all around them. But there are certain situations in particular when it's dark, that they don't work very well. So we're adding a new tool to the suite of collision avoidance devices that could go onto onto these quadcopters. And they're being used for all that. They're being used for agricultural inspection. They're being used as platforms for sporting events. And again, if you're moving through wooded areas for that sporting event or something like that, you definitely don't want to be crashing into the trees or onto the athletes. If you're uh, examining civil engineering, so we all know that bridges need to be inspected for cracks, maybe wind turbines in the future. What we need to do is get very, very close to them, but not crash into them. (laughs) Actually, bioinspiration is a really good place to look for this as well, because not only do we think we've got a technique here where you can get close to, but not crash into surfaces. So one of the uh, key benefits of uh, the method that we're proposing in in this paper is that it is very lightweight device. Anytime you take to the skies, if you add on any device for whatever reason, that increases the payload and it reduces the duration uh, for which you can fly or the payload that you can lift. Other techniques, be they laser range finding or these cameras, they're quite heavy. Also, they take a lot of processing power So they drain the battery and the lasers emit things or the ultrasonics have um, speakers in which are emitting these ultrasonic noises at all times. Ours doesn't require any emission at all other than the downwash, which the vehicle necessarily has to make because it has to obey the laws of physics. It has to do the equal and opposite reaction thing. It has to accelerate air downwards. And so if you can just monitor that uh, with a pressure sensor, which is virtually passive and requires almost no processing power for the flight controller, then there are significant advantages to be had by that. That was Richard Bumfrey discussing recent research on mosquito-inspired biotechnology. You can learn about this research 
Download a copy of this podcast or read the transcript at sciencepods.com. We hope that you enjoyed this Science Pods podcast. You can listen to other podcasts at sciencepods.com, where you can also subscribe to get new podcasts delivered to your podcast player. If you have recently conducted research and want to share it with the world, whether it is in press, on a preprint service, or already published, you can create your ScienciePods podcast in just a few minutes. Just visit sciencepods.com to get started.